0: Welcome back to the t Comcast. Today's episode will focus around the continuum of bi-literacy, which is a model created by Nancy Hornberger that frames our thinking around teaching, research, and policy concerning bi-literacy. In today's episode, I want to discuss how the model is useful in framing our thinking around about designing and evaluating curricula, and what are the strengths and limitations of using the continua of bioliteracy in this way in our curriculum as teachers. So the last two episodes I talked about um, kind of advocating for foreign language education by education in the United States. So I think this really is a good um, thing to discuss after those episodes, because it's talking about kind of curriculum um, so I hope you enjoy. So Nancy Hornberger talks about how biliteracy goes far beyond just the ability to read and write. Um, she she kind of defines it as any kind of communication that occurs in two or more languages in or around writing. Um, because. And she mentions that in today's world, st- students need To be able to use language in more than just reading and writing, they need language to communicate in a bunch of ways, and there's also different language that they need. So there's actually some visuals um, about with the that goes along with the continuum of biliteracy. So that's something you can Google and see. Um, But basically, Nancy Hornberger breaks um, biliteracy down into four levels. We have context of biliteracy, development of biliteracy, content of biliteracy, and media of biliteracy. And it's important to know that each of these levels or areas are intersecting um, and development can occur simultaneously or by itself. Um, And it leads into kind of a complex development. And with each level exists three other continuums based on different areas. So for example, in the context of biliteracy, we have a micro to macro continuum, an oral to literate continuum, a bi or multilingual continuum to monolingual continuum, and the development of biliteracy, we have reception to production continuum, oral to written continuum, L1 to L2 con- con- continuum. In content of biliteracy, there's a minority to majority continuum. Vernacular to literary continuum. And contextualized to decontextualized continuum. Um, and then in media of biliteracy, there's a simultaneous exposure to successive exposure continuum. to dis- Similar structures to similar structures continuum. Divergent scripts to convergent scripts continuum. And Nancy Hornberger's point is that these are infinite continuums. There's not really a definite end point or start point. Um, But it is in our curriculum traditionally less powerful powerful slides are the ones I mentioned first to the traditionally more powerful sides are the ones that came second. So what Nancy Hornberger kind of suggests is to that to teach students to all points on the continuum because it's really important that they have skills across all these um so that they are exposed to different language that can help make them successful in the future, because really the best scenario is to equip these students um, with skills in two languages that can really go a long way. And sometimes we find that policy and curriculum is kind of holding these students back from growing on both sides of the continuum and continuous and it's pretty heavy on one and and avoiding. Points towards the traditionally less powerful side. This continuum of biliteracy can serve as a great resource for policymakers, curriculum makers, and teachers um, of languages, of second languages, uh, to make sure that they are including lessons and activities that reach to both, all, both ends of the continuas and that all four areas of the continuum are also being brought up in class. Typically, in my experience, it's more up to teachers to kind of redesign their lessons to kind of better fit uh, the needs of students. I think Nancy Hornberger mentions this in her article about the continued biliteracy um, and calls it kind of a bottom-up approach to language and literacy by um, teachers adopting and elaborating on suggestive Activities of the content of the mandated programs to better enable their students to become bilingual literate and bicultural. So um, teachers have to kind of expand or create new new activities lessons to better fit this continua model and the these con- contexts of biliteracy. She also mentions what I think is interesting, like assessment based on this continua um, and. I will quote what she says because she gave it a good example that I think really helped me understand. Her point was that an ungrammatical expression of accurate content or a grammatically correct expression of inaccurate content may be just as much of a sign of learning as a grammatically correct expression of accurate content. I think this goes to show that these continuas are coexisting and overlapping and that there might be some evidence of learning in one continua or multiple continuas. Personally, I think the continuum of biliteracy can be a really good tool for educators to use when designing lessons to incorporate in second language learning, Um, but with everything, maybe there exists some limitations to using it. Um, One thing I think could be is that, um, again, language is an individual process. So, you know, maybe one student has different, different needs than his or her partner. So, maybe one student may need more exposure on one end of the continuum and another student on the other end of the continue. Um, but again, I think that's why it's important that we design lessons that reach both ends so that both needs are getting met. Um, and also, perhaps, again, it's a little bit hard, I think, in the US sometimes for bilingual education to occur when we have so many different, different languages. Um, For example, I've been in an ESL class where there was only 10 students, but I think about eight different languages amongst those 10 students. So while it's great to encourage the L1 use, it's also perhaps maybe a little bit more difficult in that situation because um, there's really not a lot of chance for communication when no one else in the room speaks the language of each student. And again, as educators, especially in the K-12 through setting, we're faced with a lot of dilemmas about testing, high stakes testing, like P- reaching PSSA goals and even the WIDA for ES- English language learners, um, which a lot of times might mean teaching to the test. Um, and when we teach the test, again, it's probably going to be the traditionally more powerful N that we're teaching to. Um, and so I think teachers are kind of stuck knowing that, while the less powerful sides are important to teach to. Um, we also want our students to be successful on these tests, or sometimes we have to have our students be successful on the test. Um, so that puts a lot of stress on the teachers. And I think these high stakes testings is something that we need to further look at.